0: my parents were divorced and so it was kind of a you know a lot of turmoil in the household um and i I remember at a young age, just thinking like I had to be in complete control of my emotion. I don't know where that came from. I don't remember anyone specifically telling me like, oh, you need a man up. You're not allowed to cry. Like all these things. I don't remember that specifically, but I know that that message was received and I held on to it. Because I, I know growing up as a young man, i if I ever let an emotion slip out, like if I was ever sad, if I was ever angry, I was like, damn it, I let that emotion come out. Oh, I messed up, I'm mm. weak. I, like, man, why did I let that emotion slip out? And, um, I didn't realize how ridiculous that was (laughs) until within the last several years, learning the science behind emotions and how they actually react in your body and and where they come from. I I wish I had that knowledge when I was a young man. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Dads and Deadlists podcast with me, your host, Rich. This podcast is to raise awareness around the social stigma of the word man up. Research has shown men are less likely to seek help for trauma, abuse, neglect, addictions, and mental illness because they will be perceived as weak. Research had directly or indirectly linked these problems to the social and cultural perceptions of the word man up. It's time to start a conversation and redefine this word man up. Each week, you'll be hearing from men and women all around the world who survived emotional abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, and addictions, and how they came out on the other side with Triumph to begin a new chapter. Also hear from experts and coaches all around the globe on matters like brain health, psychology of men and women, holistic healing, fitness, and last but not least, what it takes to be a man, overcoming the social stigma and expectations, and tap into your individual unique authenticity and vulnerability. Thank you for joining me in this mission to serve men around the world and letting them know they are not alone in this.
2: Welcome to another episode of Dads on Deadlifts and today we have Justin Atherton with us and Justin actually and I met through his, his podcast, Actions and Limits, that I was on a couple of months ago and... Uh, then looked up Justin and what he does and definitely thought like he's a good guest to bring on my show because he has some interesting perspective to uh, life and how he is helping men around the world to get to their peak state. His specific methods and me and Justin had a talk the other day and I was like, definitely we need to uh, bring some of that nuggets of wisdom to my audience. So without further ado, Justin, welcome to the show.
0: Rish, I, I'm glad to be on the show, man. But I, I know you just want me on here to talk about deadlifts, you know. But,
2: uh, <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: but no, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. I'm glad to be here.
2: Absolutely. So, Tell me uh, a little bit about you. I like to have the introduction directly from the guests. It's much sure. better. Um, so,
0: so uh, I've been in law enforcement for about fourteen years. I've done everything from being on the SWAT team, being a detective, being a supervisor, a training officer. So I've got a pretty wide range as far as you know my career. And I I really had a passion for training, and that's what stem me to create my own business, my, my coaching business, where I work one-on-one with men. Um, it's man, it's been a passion of mine for a long time. The whole training aspect and helping people learn how to be better versions of themselves and, and working on every aspect, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. Um, that's what I'm really passionate about, man. So that, that's what I'm doing right now with my business, working with men one-on-one and, uh, and helping them be the best version of themselves.
2: So, Talking about your law enforcement. Uh, Mm. So, did you grow up thinking you would be a law enforcement, or how how did that uh, happen?
0: I guess I kind of fell into it. I I never grew up wanting to be the police. I remember wanting to be a lawyer. I actually remember wanting to be the president of the United States. Um, But you know, moving out of the house. Um, when I when I moved to Texas, I started working for the the prison system. And you know, after doing that for a little while, I got into gang intelligence. Um, was also a supervisor there for several years. And then it just felt like a natural step to to go into policing from there. So mm. I didn't grow up wanting to be that, but it, there was a natural progression. I was like, okay, I could I could do this. I'm, I'm let me put bad guys in jail. That sounds like a, you
2: know, <laughs> that so. sounds like a yes. <laughs> And I have so much respect. So thank you for your service. I have a lot of respect for you guys, and especially with today's situation, what's going on. I mean, there's no uh, win-win. I think there's always sure. uh, from different perspective we need to see. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Like, what's your growing up looked like? And you know, the theme of my uh, podcast that dads and that lives and like the mm-hmm. social stigma of like all these words that are thrown around every day. Um, and I bet like at some point you've probably faced it and I'm probably you deal with men and they probably have talked to you about it. So I want to kind of get your perspective from like, whether you faced it or how you grew up and whether that had any kind of effect, uh, on you.
0: Yeah. You know, I was actually asked this question the other day. Um, I don't remember any specific incidents. Um, when I grew up, um, my parents were divorced and so it was kind of a, you know, a lot of turmoil in the household. Um, and I, I remember at a young age just thinking like I had to be in complete control of my emotion. I don't know where that came from. I don't remember anyone specifically telling me, like, oh, you need a man up, you're not allowed to cry, like all these things. I don't remember that specifically, but I know that that message was received and I held on to it because I, I know growing up as a young man I if I ever let an emotion slip out like if I was ever sad, if I was ever angry, I was like, damn it I let that emotion come out oh, I messed up I'm mm. weak I like man why did I let that emotion slip out and um, I didn't realize how ridiculous that was. <laughs> Until yes. within the last several years, learning the science behind emotions and how they actually react in your body and, and where they come from. I, I wish I had that knowledge when I was a young man.
2: <laughs> but did you did you think like it's part of the environment maybe uh, where you're constantly, no, no one probably told you, but it's just a learned behavior or observed behavior? I think uh, I'm trying to
0: you know equate what it, whether it was society saying like boys aren't allowed mm-hmm. to cry or whether it was more along the lines of like hey like this is a you know survival thing i need to be able to keep my emotions in check because of everyone else's emotions are out of control so i'm looking around going i don't want to be like that like what like these adults are crazy you know Mm -hmm. so i'm like i'm gonna be the opposite i'm gonna have zero emotions i'm gonna learn how to control this so i don't have any fights with people i don't have any like emotional leakage whatever, whatever verbiage you want to call it. But so I think it was just me observing other people, not having any control over their emotions and me going, I'm going to have supreme control over my emotions and not really understanding the repercussions mm-hmm.
1: so.
2: and and when like how long did you have that and then when did you realize it and how did you realize
0: it I, I'll probably I'll, you know maybe like 30 years I don't know it yeah. was it, it was there for a long time man um and not until I started going through um some training on emotional intelligence. Um, I I actually work with a company that teaches leadership skills and interview skills. and And a big part of our program talks about emotional intelligence and how and the science behind it, how our emotions are a physiological response to our environment and how we can't control our emotions from coming up. What we can control are the reactions to our emotions. So learning the science behind the emotions is like, oh, I was being so stupid when I was a young man I didn't I just didn't know I was ignorant mm-hmm. and when you learn that science behind it it's a world of difference and it's like I get it now I get where the emotions are coming from but you know in the classes that I teach and whether it's the one-on-one clients that I have or in the large classes I have it you know there's a lot of men out there that you know it's 40 50 years and they're like Mm-mm, no emotions are bad no don't I don't touch them I don't talk about them I don't want to think about it so it's uh I'm I'm glad I was able to learn it a lot earlier than some of these other guys out there that I see. So
2: I I tell you, I think um, a lot of people um, in their seventies, I don't think have, uh, are there that have yet to identify their or face their uh, sure. emotions, but uh, that's, that's what one of the things that's very much prevalent. And like, that's just part of it. Now, yeah. either it's an observed behavior or it's a learned behavior. As you said, like, it's just, you saw something and you kind of interpret it like in different way and like this is how it is and yeah and then there's that more discussions are happening and that's I think like the shift is happening It's just like there we just need to be willing to work it and Mm -hmm. really kind of work at it Uh, so so then when did you realize that you can make a difference and what you're doing right now and what really triggered you and I know we talked offline Mm -hmm. um of course I want the audience to listen uh and now so Walk me through or walk us through uh, what. What happened and at what point did you realize like, yeah, this is something that's needed and I can actually help and serve other men?
0: Yeah, it was kind of a combination of a couple of different things. So i had started working, you know, with this company as an instructor, learning these tools and techniques for the emotional intelligence and different interview skills. And also it was, there was a, a, a time period where I really had to uh, kind of deal with my own demons. Um, the the previous agency I worked for, we had a, a falling out on the admin side, as far as policing goes. And um, I was uh, asked to leave that agency for uh, alleged insubordination. And so I actually had to deal with some pretty tough things. I was I was out of work for about 6 months and I was going through this, you know, identity crisis where it's like, man, this is what I've done for this many years, like what else am I going to do? I can't I'm not going to be able to find another job because this is this is the only thing I've ever done. And I had this realization after going through this little bout of depression and anxiety and going, what the heck am I going to do? And I came out the other side of it going, man, Look at my skill set. Look at all the things I've accomplished in my career. Look at all the things that I am able to do. I can do whatever the hell I want. Like, I'm not stuck in this one career. I'm not stuck doing this one thing for the rest of my life. Screw that. And so, getting back into another agency that literally was a time that i created my coaching business it was like i mean i need to pass on this knowledge and this insight with other men out there and going you know people that are in that same idea because we get stuck in this mindset of my job is who i am Mm -hmm. or this is the only thing i can do or the emotional aspect the the health and fitness aspect i'm like man why i have to share this like i have to share all of this knowledge i have like it's unfair for me to keep all of this <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so, so that was the big thing for me and and i've always like i said i've always loved training you know the training aspect so i'm i'm really passionate about helping you know other men out there you know become better versions of themselves because it's we never stop growing mm-hmm. you got to keep on keep on learning every day man
2: <laughs> yeah oh, amazing so you kind of started using that and it's it's, it's kind of so true every like you like you are probably end person I have talked to where everyone's purpose kind of came through their pain, including mine, right? Like it just like where, while you are at the Valley, and that's where you kind of start adding those in, in, like if you can really work at it, then you realize like you, you have all the resources to be at the peak and kind of help serve others because now you had been through it and you have, you know how to navigate that. Yeah. And as I said, like, yeah, it's unfair sometimes like, you know, just if you know, and even if one person is, helped. That's that's a good deed right there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, So talk a little bit about the the word uh, vocabulary, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Things that you normally teach people. And you don't have to go into detail, but that was so fascinating. I mean, I know I knew word matters, but you Mm -hmm. kind of broke it down to a level. I was like, wow hold on a minute. That's, that's something yeah.
0: deep. Yeah, that, that's probably one of the major things I talk about with my clients is this vo- vocabulary awareness. Um, and I, w- I wish I had a sexier term for it. But you know, that's, just, <laughs> that's just what it is right now. But yeah. it, it, it comes from the idea of content analysis, which is a law enforcement tool that's used to um, determine the truthfulness of written and spoken word. And there's one category of words in there that are uh, found are the most prevalent when we talk either about the actions that we're going to, take or the things that we want to do and these words are called stop action verbs and the uh, short list of them is trying wanted planned i'd love to i meant to and when you use these when you're talking about the things you want to do doesn't mean anything you are setting yourself up for failure you are giving yourself a way out and pe- we, this is how we talk to each other so you and i could have this conversation it's like hey, Rich, I'm going to, you know, try to, you know, eat better. And you're like, yeah, man, me too. I'm planning to, you know, you know, work out every day. You're like, yeah, really, I wanted to do that. Really, we're talking about nothing. We are saying absolutely nothing. We're saying what we want to do and plan to do and try to do and what I'd love to do. It's nothing. And so becoming aware of the words that we use is so important because the, the way that I really, you know, stress this, To my clients is because they're like, okay, I understand words are important. I'm like, okay, I dare you to walk up to your spouse and tell them that you're going to try to be faithful. That's not going to land very well, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Plug in any of those words. I want to be faithful. I plan to be faithful. I mean to. No, none of those are going to (laughs) work because there is a level of uncertainty. When you talk about it, you have to change the way you speak about the things that you want to do. I will do this. I am going to accomplish this. And then it will change your behavior. It will change the things that you do and the things that you don't do. Like if, if, if your spouse isn't going to accept that level of uncertainty in you know, your statement of being how faithful you're going to be, we shouldn't accept it in ourselves when we want to accomplish a goal.
2: Wow. I mean, that 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 is fantastic uh, it's amazing and i'm nice. pretty sure there's as much more to it so i think like that's that's one of the things that we talk about like you know watch your words and uh, this is as you said like this this specific uh way to look at it uh, where your words are just more of a talk or what you said stop action verbs right
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's where... just a way to to stop <clears throat> the action or interrupt or give yourself a way out which is not what we want
2: right and it's not a 100 percent commitment mm-hmm. it's like um your tony robbins i remember says um uh, you have to become your must there you go I like so that. it's like i have to do it versus i must do it mm-hmm. it's it's fascinating to hear the same but in a different way and it's really good um so let's let's kind of understand like with this covid situation and all that like there are uh real issues surrounding uh, serious topics like suicide and addictions and you know depression and Mm -hmm. anxiety uh even men uh, because there's like not many you know like a lot of people lost their jobs and the social climate that's going on what would be your advice to few things that they can do, uh, men can do, where they can understand the situation and then still can be present for their family, mm-hmm. at the same time, be more optimistic and not go down the rabbit hole of depression
0: yeah it's it's a lot of different things right but Mm -hmm. i i think that the the main issues stem from not being able to handle your emotions and and this is a it's a big problem it's why you know more men especially for men you know the more men commit suicide more men die of heart disease you know mm-hmm. like we keep all this stress and this anxiety built up because we feel like we're not able to process it out um so that's why a, a big part of my program does focus on emotional fortitude or, or emotional intelligence and one of the one of the key things that i share you have
2: uh, i'm sorry to interrupt so i remember checking websites so you have three pillars you talk about right in your yes. program uh,
0: yes. What are those? So mental toughness, okay. emotional fortitude and yeah. health awareness. Health
2: awareness. Okay.
0: And they, and they all, you know, work together. And in, in, some instances, they kind of overlap, you know, it may be, you know, two things working together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So within the emotional fortitude um, one of the tools that I share with my clients is something called the emotional matrix and this is something that was developed based on Dr. Paul Ekman's work on the seven universal emotions that we express in our face. Now that goes into micro expressions, but that's a whole different conversation to have. But mm-hmm. but but going into that, basically, what this tool is, it, it helps you develop mm-hmm. an emotional vocabulary to be able to process out those um, emotions. Um, we we use this in the in the classes I teach. It's you know law enforcement and when I, when I stand up in front of the class and it's normally 90 to 95% men. And I tell them, Hey guys, we're going to talk about emotions today. They look at me like I have a second head on my shoulder and it's like, no, no, you're nuts. We're not talking about emotions. We're in the wrong classroom, you know, get out of here. And so, um, luckily, you know, when I get up there, you know, being former SWAT, being a detective, you know, I, I get a little bit of extra street cred, right. When it's like, okay, Maybe we'll give this guy a chance to talk about emotions. If he can talk about emotions in a certain way, maybe we can kind of, you know, buy into it. But it does take a couple days for these guys to really understand this tool and understand like how effective it is at helping you process your emotions. Um, part of what we do is we have people write down as many emotional words as they can and, most of the people write down three to five emotional words and that's that's pretty standard because we're not taught you know how many different emotional words that we have so most people have a pretty limited vocabulary and it becomes you know an issue to not uh, be able to express yourself in in multiple ways yeah. but yeah as far as the emotions go you most people have a very limited emotional vocabulary. And so when we have them write down the words and maybe they only write down three to five, it's very indicative of, you know, realizing how prevalent it is that we don't, we don't have an emotional vocabulary. We can't process these out. So, so our tool, the emotional matrix gives people that emotional vocabulary to be able to pinpoint your emotions because you have to get laser focused when identifying your emotions, rather than just say, oh, I'm just, I'm just angry. Well, there's so many words that fall under that umbrella emotion. You could be aggravated, you could be irate, you could be bothered, you could be upset. There, all, those are all emotional words that fall under anger. So the more specific you get with the emotions that come up, you can find the reasons why those emotions are being triggered. And what I've also found that was very interesting to me is in one incident, you could feel three to four different emotional words under one category. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you could feel three different shades of anger in one conversation that you had with a person, and each one is going to be triggered by a different reason. hmm And so when we get really specific, we can process those emotions out. And I feel that, you know, that can really help with, you know, depression and anxiety because we we carry this emotional backpack around with us where we don't process these emotions out. And we, we go from one bad meeting to the next bad conversation to a really long work week. And we just pack this emotional backpack full and, and no wonder men live like eight to 10 years less than women <laughs> do, because we don't, we don't wanna talk about it. We're like, we're, I'm just gonna go drink a beer and it'll be right. better. And <laughs> it doesn't work. We need to process emotions out. That doesn't mean we need to be like touchy feely and cry over this stuff. We just understand what's going on in your own body and on your own mind and process the emotions out and go, oh, that's why I was feeling that way. That's why I felt that way too okay, now I feel better about it. You know, it, 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 it's such an amazing tool. And, and once, once people really take that on, you know, um, they, the feedback I get from that is, is amazing. They're like, oh my gosh, they're like, this is great. I can use this on myself. I can use it with my kids. I can use it with my spouse. I can use it at work. So it, it has so many different applications, but it, it takes breaking through that barrier of going, no, emotions are bad. Stay away because that's that's the misconception right that Mm -hmm. emotions are bad um and i like to explain to people that there are no good or bad emotions emotions are either useful or not useful based on the context of the situation
2: yeah so i mean this is this is amazing because that's another thing that uh you brought up i agree is uh where you're constantly being men uh we have been told like yeah emotions are bad but it's such a wrong information yeah and uh, as you said like either it's useful or not useful and this is one of those useful informations that we grew up with mm-hmm. and people also don't understand that you still have can have machismo and it still can show up powerfully nothing to do with your masculinity yeah. if you show up also with your emotions and know how to uh, have that uh power over it that you don't really you kind of see the emotions as as it is and then based on that you have the tools instead of like have a knee-jerk reaction right
0: yeah uh, it, it seems like you're fighting against yourself right it's like every day you, yeah you have this emotion and you're like no i'm too tough to have this emotion right and so you fight against it but then that emotion just pushes back harder because you're not processing it so yeah. you're, you're literally having this internal conflict it's like just let it happen, man. Just control your reactions to your emotions. Cause that's mm-hmm. a whole different thing, but letting that emotion process out and, and, acknowledging the emotions that come up rather than ignoring them. And then it, I think that'll help a lot of men out there.
2: Yeah. And t- about that, uh, kind of keeping, uh, in that same topic, uh, like there are men right now, I know for a fact, like they don't have the resources to afford a coach or be with a coach or get a session. Um, what, like, how would you say that if they take this advice that you write your emotions down um, and they are feeling like a little bit of resistance themselves, uh, what are the easy steps they can do um, in this time of crisis by themselves using this method and how they can apply it in their daily lives, even talking to spouse or just kind of, hey, I, I'm feeling it, but I'm not sure. Let's take a break. Is that something or is this specific things that you tell your clients? I'm just kind of getting, yeah. s- trying to get some information for people who are not fortunate enough or who, who don't have the resources.
0: Or well, right what I'd, I'll actually do for your audience, I'll share this. You can actually uh, download the emotional matrix on my website, confidenceunchained.com. Oh, okay. And if your o- audience puts in the promo code confidence1, mm-hmm. they can download it for free. Okay. And so what they'll do is, and I'll explain kind of how to use it. So there's all these different emotional words on this card. And whether it's something you dealt with five minutes ago, or five years ago, you literally just kind of put yourself back in that emotional space, read over the card. And I wish I knew the, the scientific aspect of why this next part works. I wanna know the psychology behind it because it interests me. Mm-hmm. But you're, you scan over the card with all these emotional words and certain ones will just pop out at you. Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling mm-hmm. this. And what we do, you write down every word, okay? My record in one conversation, it was 34 emotional words that came up in a conversation with my ex-wife. <laughs> 34 emotional words. That's not the norm. Normally, 10 to 15, you know, if it's mm-hmm. something really bad in the 20s, this was really bad conversation. So it was 34 emotional words. Then you go back after you write down the list of words and you you look at that word and go, why was I aggravated Oh, and write down like two sentences about that. Oh, I was aggravated because of this. Why was I worried? Oh, I was worried about this and you just go through and you can process it out and, and think, OK, Can I change something about that aspect? Can I remove myself from the situation? Or do I have to accept it? Those are the three things that you can apply to any situation. Right. Something I talked to my daughter about. And it helps you process all of that out. And it just kind of makes you realize what exact emotion was coming up and why it was coming up the funny thing to me is certain words will pop out at me that I don't even use in my everyday vocabulary. Like I, I was irked. I'm, I've never used irked in a sentence, but I'm like, wait a minute, why was I irked? I'm like, oh, it was because of this. It's, I wish I knew the the, the brain workings behind that aspect of it, of how these certain words pop out at us and we, we understand what they mean. But they may not be prevalent in our own vocabulary. Um, But that's the number one way to process things out. And um, it doesn't mean that everything is going to get processed out the first time through, because Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, a continuing situation that, that evolves or new things come up, or maybe you didn't get all the emotional words the first time through, but it can really help especially with things maybe you've been hanging on to for five years or so. Maybe it's a divorce that happened five, 10 years ago or mm-hmm. a, another bad incident that happened to you in your life. You can go back to that moment and go, why am I still bothered by this? And you can process those out. So for me, that's, that's the number one key to be able to process some of these things out. And, and I'm glad to share it with your audience. Cause I think, you know, everybody needs that, that tool out there. So.
2: Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely have your uh, link to that. And it says confidence one as a number one or is it? ON? Yeah.
0: Confidence number one. Number as one. Promo Okay. Code promo
2: goes. code. Perfect. I'm going to definitely add that to the show notes. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Okay. Uh, so of course uh, you're a dad.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, so how, how would you say like your transformation and your like realization, being a dad, and then also navigating uh, men in the coaching program, and understanding the overall aspect of what is uh, our society in terms of the stigma around men and boys that are happening. How, how do you process that, and from from the uh, like a prospect? I mean, like aspect of being a dad.
0: Yeah, it's so there. I, there's so many things that come up with it, right? Because you know, I, I think back to you know when my daughter was born, and and my thoughts of like, oh, what what do I do now? Like, what do I? <laughs> there's no instructions that come out with the kids, too, you know. Yes. So it's like, okay, got to figure this out, and then you know the whole you know society thing, like how oh, like how do you act as a dad? And for me, you know. Uh, we got divorced uh, very early on. Uh, I don't think my daughter was, she wasn't even one yet Mm -hmm. when we got divorced, which uh, thinking back to my own um, family, I was like, well, maybe it's better that we get divorced before she remembers it, you know? And so that's kind of how that dynamic worked out. But I found that um, early on I had to I had to kind of back off on some things when she was younger, when she was like four or five and maybe I had a certain set of rules that, that I needed to, or that I felt like I needed to have in place. And um, when you have those two different households, you it's two different sets of rules, right? Maybe even Mm -hmm. three sets if they're at their grandparents often. And so rather than, getting, you know, my emotions in a knot and going like, well, this, and this is the right way. And this is what I, it's like, Hey, what, what's going to be the best for, for my daughter? Like I'm going to have to back off on certain things, make some compromises, make some adjustments. Um, and so that was probably the first thing having to deal with. Um, what I, I like though, is I get to use these tools and techniques and share them with my daughter. So especially the, the, that whole emotional matrix, I, I give that to her because you know, the kids are younger. They don't have the the wide vocabulary, even mm-hmm. though my nine-year-old talks like an 18-year-old, um, <laughs> but they don't quite have that vocabulary yet. And so I, I share it with her and I'm like, okay, well, it seems like you're feeling this way or it seems this and I, and. I'm giving her that emotional vocabulary, you know, through our conversations. So she has the ability to grow up and process it out Um, because and we're talking about, you know, dads mostly. Right. But, you know, women get it on on the same aspect, too, about emotions. Men are told you're not allowed to have emotions and women are told you have too many emotions. So on both sides of the scale, we're told that emotions are bad. Mm-hmm. So I don't want my daughter growing up thinking that emotions are bad, that she's not allowed to have them. Although I think that's what her mom thinks I'm teaching her, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, but I, I love to teach my daughter about the emotions and how to process them effectively and, um, and, and just giving her those those tools and techniques, and um, and being able to to read people and understand people in a better way, so. I love it. I, I get to share all this stuff with my daughter. She may not always appreciate it, you know, yet. When she's older and, and realizes that, yeah. you, know, you know, her future boyfriends don't stand a chance because of all the tools I've taught her, uh, I, I think she'll appreciate that one day. So, <laughs> oh,
2: for sure. For sure. And I think like it's the same thing. Like, because um, for me, um, I do this for my son, uh, mm-hmm. and he's two and a half. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just don't want him to be. Uh, growing up where everyone is like yeah just bottle up your emotions it's okay Um, Sure. um, one question I I really want to ask you this Um, you were in a uh, very dynamic career and you were still in like you know you're in a swap team and you're law enforcement uh, men and women uh, law enforcement officers and one of the thing that I think people get confused and with doing this podcast and being in the space for, uh, last few months, what I've noticed, uh, there's always that, uh, controversial question comes up that, well, yes, you want men to be vulnerable and you, uh, female, uh, women, uh, want men to be vulnerable and show love and affection, but then they also want them to stand up and, protect uh, the household, which can be done. But then there's like a lot of discussions that happen and that I'm seeing online too, that a lot of what I feel like it's still a stigma even through women that they're saying that, yeah, but I don't want a boyfriend or, or a partner who cries. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But the the definition of vulnerability is for your partner to show the weakness Mm -hmm. to you, not that he's, he's saying he's weak, but to give that space. So what do you have to say about that? Like, what do you think like this? And where do we kind of try to build that bridge? Right? Because I think like talking about men doesn't mean it's a pro man platform, giving men that openness and sharing that space I think is also opens up and freedom for the women to be more feminine right so yeah,
0: yeah it, and, and man Rich, there's so many different ways you could go on that um so yeah the this whole idea of what whatever toxic masculinity really is, right that, that's a whole different <laughs> thing and I've I've had conversations on that because it's it's a funny thing you know to talk about this but but really. If, you look at a lack of a man in the household, you know, leads to more issues, you know, in society, as far as, you know, crime and, and drug use and all these yes. different aspects. So it's very important to have both parents in the household, both parents involved in in children's lives. Mm-hmm. And we think about, you know, the, mm-hmm. like you said, the conversations like, you know, toxic masculinity is a bad thing, but i i want a man that can be emotional but really i don't want him to 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 cry but he needs to be able to like you know you know kill spiders and like you know do all the things that men are supposed to do but it's so i it it's these ideas of similar to toxic masculinity that can i think confuse women and confuse society Mm -hmm. and because i'll I'll be straight up if if I've ever had a conversation with my spouse, and you know, and you know, I do end up tearing up and maybe I'll cry like, she's not running away and go and telling me to man up and telling me to like, Oh, you shouldn't. But it I'm also not crying to the point of being like uncontrollably like, like, mm-hmm. I'm not even consolable. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm having a, a large amount of emotions right now. So I, I am crying, but I'm not sobbing like someone that can't control themselves Mm -hmm. so there is a level there i could see where a woman may be turned off by a man that just curled up in the corner crying his eyes out i okay i get that right like i I mean i I wouldn't really want that in a spouse either because it's like hey like i know like my girlfriend like she does cry and she has emotions she processes them out but I know that she's not doing the same thing. She's not curled up in the corner crying uncontrollably either. I think that picture is um, unattractive for both sexes. Mm -hmm. And so it's about that, you know, ability to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. without letting it affect how you function in life. Right. Because with emotions, it seems like there's, you know, a bit of a, a bell curve. You don't want people that are like completely unemotional you know, you want to be in the middle to where you have this balance of being able to handle your emotions and be effective. But then there's the other side of the bell curve where people are so emotional that they're not functional human beings either mm-hmm. because they they are run by their emotions. By the
2: emotions yeah.
0: And and that is not effective. It doesn't lead to good decision making. <laughs> you have to be able to have logic and emotions merged together to make rational, reasonable decisions. Um so it's there's so many different aspects you could talk about but I I think there's a lot of misconceptions and just confusion around how men and women should act and I want this but I don't want this it's like I want a little bit of both um yeah it's a it's a funny thing but uh in general you know I, I think women want men to be men
2: yeah
0: they just don't want that overbearing like Like that whole macho, I have to do this and I'm just being tough all the time and I'm gonna be different around my friends when you're there, or -hmm. this other bull crap that that we end up doing to act like we think we should be acting. It's right. That's the bad part. Those are the like the the bad toxic masculinity parts when I had to act like a tough guy when there was no reason to act like a tough guy. (laughs)
2: Yes. Yes. No, I agree. And I think like that's, that's definitely, and there's so much conversations can be just from one point can we can branch out in different yeah. uh, perspective, but for the time limit, we'll kind of keep it and then we'll probably <laughs> will revisit it. Um, so let's talk about something because I really wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your, um, on the health aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and how it pertains to our emotional fitness. And it just like, as you said, even you, your program has three pillars and, uh, talk a little bit about like people who are really struggling for, uh, towards their health and even just, uh, get going.
0: Yeah. It's, it's sad because it's pretty prevalent and I've seen it a lot with, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs that let their health, you know, you know, they put it on the back burner they're like that's not important i need to you know worry about my business i don't have time to take a break i don't have time to take 30 minutes for a workout you know so they're eating like crap they're not working out and so what ends up happening is you know they get a lack of energy so they're less productive through the day you know maybe they start gaining weight and they like they're like oh i don't look good anymore so they lose some of that confidence it's it's very important To take time for your health. And and I'm not saying you have to be in the gym seven days a week working out for two hours a day. Like you don't need to be some Olympic bodybuilder. Do something that you enjoy that involves some type of fitness. If you like running, go run. If you like swimming, go swim, like rock climbing, whatever it is, go do something. And then, you know, be healthy. Number one thing I tell my clients is you're not drinking enough water. I can tell you right now 95% of people are not drinking enough water. Yeah. And so it's like that's number one. Like it it, it sounds like an easy step, you know, but people are like no, oh, it's man. not. It's like yeah. it's it's a lot, you know. And so but that's number one. I realize like cuz I I don't drink soda, I don't drink anything, but I I'm a coffee addict but I know that I have to drink extra water in the day to compensate for how much coffee I drink. It's, it's a give and take, you know, if you drink, you drink alcohol, Hey, you got to compensate. But there, there's little tweaks in there that you can do for your health to, to get that up. But what it does. And again, there's so much science behind this rich. Like when you're, when you're being active when you're you working out those endorphins that get released you know the serotonin the dopamine like you it they're mood enhancing you know you know and so and then you start looking better you start losing weight as a side effect right you know it's like oh and then you gain some extra confidence or maybe you push through a workout you know that you weren't able to do before and you know and that slides into your mental toughness aspect you're like man no, I really can do that. I can push through this. Like I'm stronger than I thought I have more like endurance than I thought. So it starts affecting all different aspects of your life. When you when you push your body to the limits, uh, most of the time, it's mental limits that you're breaking rather than your physical limits. Because sure, you're tired. And you're like, I can't do this. I'm just yeah, that, that's all up here, guys. It's, it's really like how much can you push yourself? Um, I was reading a stat the other day. They said most people only push themselves to about 40% of their physical capabilities before they give up. And so, like, that's, that's a huge discrepancy, right? But um, they say, you know, professional athletes push themselves to about 80% of what they're actually capable of. Um, I think it must've been the book I was reading recently, The Rise of Superman, kind of talking about flow states. The 80 to 100% that goes into like the life or death situations when you're pushing yourself to those limits and you can actually like hurt your body. Like, that, that, those are the stories where like the mom picks up the car because the kid's underneath of it and um, she breaks every bone in her body. It's like in one of those moments. But um, we can always push ourselves farther and and the health is a really important uh, aspect to be able to, you know, help with your mental toughness and your emotional fortitude. Cause when you're able to work through those things, it helps you process a lot of that out. So health is super important. And and, I know we talked about the deadlift aspect before. So.
2: No, I think, uh, no, I get it. And that's, that's the part of it like any as you said, like you know just working out itself is such a mental toughness, mm-hmm. a booster that you, you you go beyond a certain workout or uh, hit a PR or do something and that just yeah. itself it's a momentum. it just creates that momentum uh, to go. But uh, Justin, thank you so much. Uh, I think like this is a good time to stop like we are about like 45 minutes.
0: Sure. time's um, fine, Rich. Times, time's fine.
2: <laughs> I know, <laughs> and I have so much. Like I think, like I want to have you again, uh, just, and we we'll, we want to concentrate a little bit on your on, um, uh, my audience, and you can uh, give some tips for fathers and sure. uh, dads and uh, your your viewpoint on that. And we so, can talk
0: about the Yes Day next time too. Yes Day, is, yeah.
2: yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So guys, I mean Justin, you guys hear me talk about Yes Day? So Justin talked about did the Yes Day. So we're going to keep it short. How did it go?
0: <laughs> it, it was good. It, it didn't, uh, it didn't go as crazy as I thought, you know, she, <laughs> she kept it pretty tame for me, but we did, we did put some rules on it, but uh, I'll definitely be doing that again.
2: But as it, as we discussed offline, it's, it's funny how, how simple stuff sometimes they end up asking just most simple things.
0: Yeah. It was super simple. We just was yeah. you know, at the pool all day long. So right? I was like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you got a nap out of it
0: yes and and we got a nap out of it too she wanted a nap so i was like yes
2: (laughs) okay thank you justin thanks for coming to the show really appreciate it and thanks for what you're doing and serving men i will have your uh confidence unchained website on my show notes with the promo code so guys this is the end of it uh subscribe share and comment uh if what kind of wisdom have you taken from today's episode and go on Justin's uh, website and uh, use the promo code to download the emotional matrix and uh, try it out yourself. And as I said, like all these coaches that are coming, uh, they're changing lives out there and feel free to reach out to them uh, because you never know like how one person's uh, help and their story and their uh, experience can help you grow and take it to your uh, next level thank you again and this is me signing off until next episode
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. And I hope you are as excited as I am learning from our guest today on the specific topic. Please subscribe, share and leave a comment and tag Dads and Deadlifts on Instagram and Facebook with your experience of today's episode. Because remember, your one share might save someone from feeling alone and provide them the tools they can incorporate in their daily lives. Let's each of us do our part in helping men around the world. You can personally message me on my Facebook page or Instagram page, Dads and Deadlifts, if you want your story to be shared on the podcast or if you just feel alone and want someone to reach out to. Always remember, you are not alone. All you got to do is reach out. And I am rooting for you. Until next week, your host Rish signing off. I will see you next week with another brand new episode.